If you have your Bibles, open it up to Luke, Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at the first 10 verses today. And Jeremy and uh, the, the worship team, they, they really just nailed it today. I mean, even in, this, even in this last song, because he lives, there's hope. Because he lives, there's, there's joy. Because he lives, life is, is, is worth living. I mean, that pretty much summarizes what we're going to be talking about today. But starting out with such an amazing time of worship and pointing to God, um, and man, that was, that was incredible. And I'm excited to see what God shows us for the rest of our time together. I'm going to jump right in, and I'm reading out of the NIV uh, version. So if you have a different one, it, it may be a little different. You can follow along on version if you have that app. But I'm going to read the first 10 verses, and then we'll go back through and, and just kind of highlight what I think God has for for a church project and our, our church this morning together. So Luke chapter 7, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. <clears throat> there a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him asking him to come and heal his servant. Verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 8, for I myself and a man under, uh, a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. As I read this, and as I've read through it multiple times this week, I've read multiple commentaries. I've talked to multiple people about these, these 10 verses right here. And there's so many truths that jump off of these 10 verses. And I pray that something that, that is said this morning will spark something in you. And, and the Holy Spirit will just kind of be prodding you in these verses. Because there's so much life change that you can see in these verses. I just want to kind of paint the, paint the picture a little bit. As we get into Luke chapter 7 and, and these first 10 verses, Jesus was just praying and fasting on a mountain. He had kind of just entered the scene of his ministry. He was praying and fasting up on a mountain. He came down and, and picked his 12 disciples. And then hundreds, if not thousands of people were there and they wanted to hear him teach. And, and he began teaching them. And, and that's called Sermon on the Mount. Well, we're looking at Luke and Luke is a doctor, the, the one who wrote this book. And so he's, he's right to the point, which is what I like about Luke. He's like right to the point. But if you want to read the Sermon on the Mount even more, just go over to Matthew. And it gets into more detail of, of, of his teaching and what he was saying during this time. But in Luke, he gets right to the point. And so right now, Jesus was on the mountain. He was praying, fasting, picked his 12 disciples, came down. All these people were there listening to him teach. It says he came down, he went into Capernaum. If, if you read the Bible or you know the history of Jesus, he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. 
And most of his adult ministry life is spent in Capernaum. If you look at a lot of the miracles and everything that happens, it happens in the Capernaum area. And so if you open up your Bible, usually in the back of the Bible, there's all these cool little maps and whatever. You can kind of see where he's at in the ministry. It's kind of neat to do that if, if, you, if you're real analytical like that. I am. I like to open the maps and just, oh, I see. It's, and kind of track where he's going and all that stuff. But he's in, he's in Capernaum right now. As, we, as he begins to talk here in verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. One of the things that jumped out to me as I was reading this is there's a point when Jesus stopped talking. When Jesus had finished saying all of this in the hearing of the people, there's a point in our life And I'm wondering if these people, as Jesus is teaching, I wonder if they're kind of taking it for granted. They're like, Jesus is teaching, and he's going to be here tomorrow and the next day, and he's going to always be saying the same things, and and I'm just listening, but I'm I'm not really hearing, or, or however that goes. I'm not really understanding. I'm not really paying attention to what Jesus is saying, and they're kind of taking him for granted. Well, you see, we get to a point that said, when Jesus had finished saying, he was done. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life there's a point where I take God's word and what he's saying, I take his instruction, I take his love, I take whatever it is, and I take it for granted. Like it's always going to be there. Like, like it's, it's always going to be exactly the same way as it was the first time when Jesus began speaking to me and, and prodding in my heart. And, and Jesus is sitting there and he's teaching people. And I wonder if they're saying, oh, I can hear him now, but he'll be here again tomorrow and the next day. And I can put off understanding what he's saying. I could put off following my life. See, there's a part in the Bible, Romans 1.28, that scares me a little bit. And in Romans 1.28, it says, God just gave them over to the foolishness of their thinking gave them over to the foolishness of their thinking. Like they had tuned God out so much in their life that he said, really, I love you and I don't want this for your life. I don't. I have so much joy and hope for you and I don't want you to go down these paths. But eventually, after, after God has been speaking to us so much and we've hardened our heart and we've taken him for granted, there's a point when God says, I'm sorry. I'm giving you over to the foolishness of your thinking. Now, I'm here still, and and I still want to love you. And at at some point in life, I hope that you turn and and you come back to me because I'm here and I love you. But as these people were hearing Jesus teach, I wonder if they were thinking, oh, he'll be here again tomorrow. Jesus had finished speaking. There's a a truth um, in one of these 80s songs. You don't know what you got till it's gone, right? You don't know what it got till it's gone. I think that's an 80s song. And I wonder if these people, they woke up the next day and they thought, oh, that was, that was it. Jesus was there teaching, and they missed it. See, every moment Jesus is teaching us, our hearts and our minds, are we callousing our hearts and our minds, or are we open, are we softening, saying, Jesus, speak to me. There's something about sin, um, not listening to God and going against him, that, that is a sad truth. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. It'll take you further than you want to go. It'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. And it'll make you pay more than you want to pay. When we begin to 
turn away from God and his voice and instruction in our life, one day we're going to look up and our life is going to be built upon lie after lie after lie. And it's going to be hard to remember what happened way back when. And we're going to look up and we're going to say, living life apart from God and going against his word has caused me to stay longer than I wanted to stay. It's taken me further than I thought I'd ever go. And the cost of my decision to go against God has cost me more than I ever thought I would pay. The Holy Spirit is in us every day. He's guiding us. He's teaching us. He's loving us. Just like here, when Jesus was speaking to him, Jesus is speaking to us right now. What is Jesus saying to you? I mean, even even in here this morning, what is Jesus saying to you? Is he saying maybe it's time to get out of that relationship, what with that whatever relationship you're in that that God doesn't want you in? I'm not saying go get divorced because he no. Okay, is Jesus saying, get out of that relationship? Is he saying, you know it's time to do what's right, when are you going to start doing it? Like we put him off like, oh, I know you're saying that, God, but tomorrow I'll listen. He's like, really? Like I'm instructing you today, I'm teaching today, I'm here to show you love today. What, what, what is he saying to you right now? Is he saying it's time to break that habit? Is it time to start listening to that voice of God that's starting to, to diminish in your heart because you're hardening your heart? See, these people thought Jesus, I don't know, some of them maybe thought he was going to be there forever, and they'd come to him on their time. Well, they woke up the next day, and he had finished saying all that he was going to say. Wow. A great tragedy in life is tuning out the life giver. Are we tuning out the life giver as he speaks to us today? So verse 1, let's, let's look again at, at verse 1. <clears throat> When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom, whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. Verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come. Okay, so the centurion is sent from Rome. He's, he's in charge of many, many soldiers. In essence, he's the boss. He's, he's the big man in the area. Uh, he had heard of Jesus at some point in his life. And he had known the power of Jesus at some point in his life because he hears of Jesus, this centurion, this this Gentile, and, and he calls out to Jesus. So some point in his life, he had learned that there was this man, Jesus, who was doing incredible things, and he had been told about Jesus some way, shape, or form. Who knows, but this is the boss. He's in charge of so many soldiers sent by Rome, and he's in this area. His servant is sick, and he sends after Jesus. Now, why doesn't this boss, why doesn't this man of authority and power and prestige and money, why doesn't he send back to Rome for the finest doctors? Why doesn't he send his servant to the finest doctors? See, this man at some point in his life had encountered the story of Jesus. Maybe even the person of Jesus. See, Jesus was in the area, and he knew it. And he knew Jesus was the life giver. And so he sends out to Jesus. It reminds me of, of us right here, you know. It's just just church project. You know, we want, to, we want to be biblical. We want to be simple. We want to be relevant. Someone in this centurion's life was speaking life to him. Biblical, biblical life. 
was being very simple, like, hey, this is, this is Jesus, this is who he is. And it was speaking a language that he could understand. It's pretty simple. Be alive in our everyday life. Do we, do we want to show people the love of Jesus Christ? Be alive in our everyday life. People will begin to notice. People will begin to say, I've, I've heard of this Jesus, and they will want more of who he is. So let's move on. Verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When I read heal his servant, I had to stop and I had to underline this. And maybe you should, you should underline this one as well. Heal your servant. Your servants, they study to serve their, their master, to, to be endeared by them, to be loved by them. They want to be a, a good servant to their master. Well, obviously, this servant was such a good servant to this centurion that when he was sick, the centurion, his boss, sent out for Jesus, saying, come. And, and not only that, he began to beg Jesus, Jesus, please come, because I love my servant so much, and I know you can heal him, so would you please come to him? I wondered, this is just me in my wandering state, I wonder if the servant that's sick was the one that actually told Jesus about Jesus to the centurion. Does that make sense? I said it kind of backwards. I wonder if the servant was the one that revealed the life of Jesus to this guy. I don't know. Don't, don't quote me, whatever. It's a good thought, though. But the fact is this. The centurion loved his servant, found out that Jesus was in the area, and said, come on. Jesus, please come here. Now, if you're, if you're into like looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and putting them side by side, what you'll find right here is, is what people will say, oh, this is a conflict. Because in, in Luke, what you'll find is, well, he sent people to, to bring Jesus here. Well, if you jump over to Matthew 8, 5, chapter 8, verse 5, it says that the centurion actually went to Jesus and said, hey, come here. And this is where people go, oh, see, the Bible conflicts. It's, it's not real. Like, did he come? Did he send people? What did he do? And this, this is what I believe after looking at all this and all this stuff. He, he did this by even proxies, you know, like lawyers, like someone that goes on behalf of them. This guy's a powerful man. He's got lots of soldiers. And so it's, it's very, it's very it, could, it could have been where he said, okay, I'm sending a proxy to Jesus as we look down. Someone that's going to represent me on, for me on my behalf and sends him. So there you go. Deal with that if, if you want to deal with that, okay? Some people are like, oh, okay. Other people are like, what? Move on. Like I'm, get, I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting so hungry. There's, there's, a, there's a subtle truth right here that you can kind of look at. When the man was sick, what did the centurion do? He sent for Jesus. A subtle truth in our life that might parallel with our time right now is, what do you do when you're sick? What do you do when someone you love is, is sick, in need of hope, in need of healing? Do you believe the power of Jesus can heal? Yeah, but Aaron, I've got a small headache. Jesus won't waste his time. God won't waste his time on my headache. I don't know. He loves you. We see this man seeking after Jesus and calling after Jesus, and, and we are so quick to, to discount him and say, oh, he, he can't heal. He can't do this for me right now. Really? If you're, if you're a parent in here, you know what you would do for your kids. It gives me great joy to provide what my daughters need. Sometimes I have to say no because it's ridiculous, like another cat. No way. <laughs> No way. That's just crazy. 
but it gives me great joy to provide for my daughters. And I believe the God of the universe that created you to have a relationship with you gives him great joy to provide what you need. But oftentimes we discount him. Maybe this is the thing this week that you're going to grab and you're going to be like, I can go to God and I can pray. I can talk to him. I can let my request be known to him. That's how much God loves you. The centurion gets it. Do we? Do we get this? I want to go to verse 6. Because this part really just, this is the part that got me the most. Verse 6. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Wow. This centurion was an uncircumcised Gentile. Jesus is a prophet. Centurion sends other people to Jesus, thinking it wouldn't be proper for this uncircumcised Gentile to be near Jesus, thinking that Jesus wouldn't want to converse with them and talk with them. And that's the furthest thing from the truth, as Jesus points right here. Because it's customary. The Jews and the Gentiles, they don't mix. It's not happening. And Jesus already in this time is, is telling us a truth through time that says, I am here for the Jew. I'm here for the Gentile in Romans 3, 29, if you want to look that up. I am, I am here. And what I see from this uncircumcised Gentile, this centurion who's not supposed to be loved by Jesus is the biggest act of respect I can think of. Last week in, in verse, or chapter 6, verse 46, we came across a part where they said, Lord, Lord, and that, that word Lord comes from Adonai in the Greek that means to bend a knee. And this, this, this centurion, in a very real way, whether he knew Jesus or not, knew the power of Jesus and said, I am not worthy of you to come to my house, Jesus you, that's why I didn't even come to you myself because I'm not supposed to converse with you. And Jesus is marching forward in truth. And he is dispelling all of that as he marches forward to this man's house. And he's saying, I am here for the people that are supposed to be with me and the people that are supposed to be against me. I am here for everyone. And I see a heart condition, a stance of this guy, a positioning that this guy takes that breaks my heart. Because in James 4.10, it says this, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. How many of us humble ourselves before the Lord? We call him Lord, Lord. We bend a knee to him and, and, and he lifts us up. No, it goes against the culture of America even. We don't humble ourselves before anybody. The centurion humbles himself. And what does God do in a very real way? He lifts him up. We can even play reverse roles, okay? Let's, let's, play, let's play a little bit like, like we're Jesus right now. We were just invited to go to the centurion's house. Okay, this is the one on the hill that has the light sensors that come on when the dark goes, you know, when it gets dark. It has the gates, has the guard dogs, has good ice cream. I mean, it's got, it's got, it's got, it's got everything. Like this, this is a big deal. Like we were just invited to, to the VIP, to the club, club level suite tickets. 
Like we, we were just invited to that. We, we now have connections to people in government that are bigger than anything ever. Like think about it. If you're Jesus, you're like, if I can go to the centurion's house and do this, he's going he's gonna to take me on the finest chariots all around. And I'm going to be able to spread this message all around Jerusalem, everywhere in this whole area. And I'm going to eat the finest foods and it's going to be good. And every town I show up to, he's going to have fresh sushi waiting for me. Like it's all, it's all right there. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't even need to do that. He doesn't need to think, look at this man is going to bring me up to a greater status. Jesus isn't doing that. All he's thinking is I want to heal this man's servant. And through that, I want to show him how much that I love him. And it brings me to a truth. We need to stop trying to invite Jesus to our story and get in, lost into his story. We need to stop trying to invite Jesus into our story and get lost in his story. So many times we look at our lives and everything that's going on and we're like, God, listen, here's kind of what I want. So I'm going to pray a, a real political prayer and try to position myself for you to get on board and bless what I'm doing. Any of you? Any of you? You're like, I want to do this, so I'm going to spend some time praying, but it's going to be, you know, just, God, bless what I'm doing. Centurion right here shows us a great thing. We need to stop trying to invite Jesus to our story and get lost in his story because he's that big. He's Lord, Lord. He's the healer, and he wants the most for our lives. I'm going to jump way far down here. I'm going to let you kind of, pick through the rest of these verses because we'll be here all day if I keep doing it. We'll go to verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I tell you this. Like everyone, listen up. There's people following him still. I tell everyone that's listening and everyone that's following. You see that house right there? You see that centurion's house? I've never seen a man with so much faith. And even all of Israel, all of you, I have never seen this much faith. In verse 10, when the men who had been sent returned to the house and then they found the servant was well. I want to rephrase what what Jesus just said. He said, those non-believers trust me more than you do. The ones that aren't supposed to have a relationship with me, trust me more than you do. <sighs> Something happened in the life of Aaron Havens. That's me. I don't know why I just spoke in whatever person. And, and I fall in and out of this all the time. But I knew the right thing to do was to drop out of college and start a rock and roll band. Heard that story multiple times. I won't bore you. I knew it because I knew that that, that's what God was asking of Aaron Havens. I knew it. You ever ever just know? You know that God's asking or showing you. I mean, multiple ways. It's it's not like, hey, God, bless what I'm doing. But all of a sudden, he just hits you and you're like, that's it. Like, that's it. It's happened a few times in my life. And this was one of them. Drop out of college. Start a rock and roll band. Tell people how much I love them. I'm like, right on. And so, with all abandonment, dropping everything, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff, you know, moved to Miami, here I go, I'm a starving musician in in multiple ways, it's a great time of faith for me, I'm living on a prayer, another 80s song, I I need to create an 80s Pandora station, like, I'm quoting way too many 80s, 
Maybe I'm getting too old here. But just living on a prayer, on the beach, sleeping on the beach at times, most of the times not showered, sometimes showered, sometimes fed, sometimes not fed, a moment of great faith, willing to go anywhere and do anything for God. And sometimes it cost me. There was a great, rich, rich time. No money could buy that for me. Because I was following what the king had asked of my life. And then Aaron grows up a little bit. And he gets a little more mature. And puts on a shirt with, with uh, collars. And spills his coffee on the front. Can you see that? And I, I, I started acquiring things. Like I moved here with two U-Hauls. I'm like, where did all this junk come from? And it gets harder and harder as life goes along for me to just, with all abandonment, follow the voice of my king. Because now I've got a wife. I've got two girls. And, and now I, I have excuses and I have responsibilities. And I have all this stuff, which is true. God's given me a great ministry, a great blessing. My wife and my girls. I would do anything for them. Which brings me to the question, would I really do anything for them and for my king? I've gotten where I don't jump as fast as I used to. Maybe that's good. (laughs) Maybe that's also a bad thing. I've gotten pretty predictable, and maybe that's, that's, that's good as well. I mean, we're here. We're in Greeley. We're starting church project. We're, we've been here two years. We're going to be here another hundred more. And I'm excited to see how God is already just growing us. And by numbers and by relationships and by joy and by laughter and by a lot of junk food. I love what God is doing here. He's doing an incredible thing. And we're going to stay the course because we're on the wall. And we cannot come down like Nehemiah would say. I'm on a wall. I'm doing a great deed. I cannot come down. And that's what we're doing. And at the same time, we are continually asking God, is this? what you have for my life? Is this what God has for your life? What you're doing right now, what you're involved in right now, the relationships that you have right now in your life, is this what God has for your life? I have not found such great faith as that man because he believes in me so much that he sent for me. Are we sending for God in our life? Do we have that much faith, that much abandonment? Do we love him so much that we want to follow him? I found a Psalms that's that's been really close to me lately. It's Psalms 143, verse 8. And maybe this is our prayer for today, even tomorrow, maybe this week. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. There's something powerful about praying scripture, like using the words of Jesus and praying them in our life and over our life. So can I read this verse one more time like it would be a prayer with Aaron Havens? God, please let the morning bring me your word of your unfailing love for me. For I have put my trust in you, God. 
God, would you please show me, Aaron Havens, the way I should go today. For you, God, I entrust my life. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. God, show me the way. For to you, I entrust my life. I think we've done a good job of just jumping through some points in these first 10 verses of Luke chapter 7. But this is the moment where it's just kind of up to you. I'm going to ask you to just close your Bibles. Just close your eyes. I want to I wanna ask some questions. We can leave here the exact same way. It's, it's your choice. God's still there, still chasing after you. He loves you. But I think it would be a, a great shame if you left the same way that you came. This time right here, I'd, I'd love it to be a time of you just, just vulnerability between you and God. Regardless of what your relationship has looked like with Him, or if you even have one with Him, or who knows what it is, but in this moment, can you be vulnerable? Again, maybe if you're comfortable with it, just hold out your hands in front of you and say, God, I surrender my life to you, and I want to receive everything that you're showing me today. Hold out your hand so he can place the gift of love in you and say, here it is. This is what I have for you today. I'm going to ask us some questions that maybe God may be stirring in your heart or in your mind right now. Maybe you have goosebumps. You're like, I know what you're showing me today, God. Some of us, we've known God is prompting us in something for a long time. It may be time to act on that. Just like Jesus, if he had finished saying, God, I, I pray in our life that you never finish saying, as in we just harden our hearts and we stop listening to you. I pray that that's not the case in any of our lives. God, I know that you love us. You're chasing after us every day. Your joy is, is new every morning. You are new every morning and you can fill us. But God, please help us not harden our heart from your word because you're speaking to us. Some of us, we, we feel like, oh my goodness, Romans 128 is us. God, I've wanted to chase after this thing that's not God for so long that I feel like God has said, you know what? I'm giving you over to the foolish ways of your thinking. And sin truly has taken us further than we ever thought we'd go. And, we're, and we've stayed so much longer than we ever thought we'd stay. And the price that we're paying is, is unspeakable. We're paying a big price for not listening to the word of God. His instruction, His love. Maybe today you need to just, in the hands that you have held out, just give Him that. Give Him that addiction. Give Him that thing that you're holding on to. Give Him that thing that is hurting so much. Just give it to Him right now. And just like this servant sick, we all need healed. Every one of us. We may be sick and have bad thinking. We may have bad health, like physical. Our health is physical. It's hurting. 
We may find ourselves in a rut right now. We, we, I don't know what it is, the sickness in our, each and every one of our life. But the answer is Jesus. Regardless of what sickness we have, the answer is Jesus. Are we calling out to him, saying, Lord, please come heal me. I'm tired of living life on my own, and I need you, God. I call out to you. Some of us, as we looked at this part man, of scripture, we, we, our heart just started racing, and we got goosebumps just thinking, oh, no. Have I been trying to maneuver Jesus into my story? Have I been trying to live life on my terms? In this place this morning, just pray that you would align your life into his story. Surrender your life completely to him. Even in this moment. we're sitting here and just meditating and soaking on what God has for us right now. I'm going to give us some, some opportunities. Up here in the front is, is Danny. He would, he would love to pray with you on anything and everything. If there's, you just, you just, I, I just need to pray with someone. Danny's up here. He would love to do that. We're going to move into a time of just worshiping God. We don't know any better way to respond to truth and life and joy and love and hope than to stand and look at the creator of all those things and say, God, you are amazing. And that's what, that's what worship is. So as we move into our, our time of worship, we can do it in multiple ways. It's, it's sitting and praying and standing and clapping. Over on the back right, we have communion. You can take bread and dip it in the grape juice and let it represent what Jesus has done for us on, on the cross, broken body and, and spilt blood, an atonement for our sins that covers over all of our sins and puts us in a relationship with Him. Also on the back, we have a, a tithe box. Some of us will worship through our giving to Him, giving generously, faithfully, obediently, joyfully, portion of what he's given us. I'm not at, sure how God is asking you to worship him this morning. Maybe just let our prayer be this. Psalms 143.8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Unfailing love. Regardless of what we've done or haven't done, His love never fails. He's chasing after us. For I've put my trust in you. God, show me the way I should go. For you, I entrust my life.